stable coins. What are stable coins? Coindesk reports that a stable coin is a type of cryptocurrency whose value is tied to an asset such as the US dollar or gold to maintain a stable price. Basically, if you think of stable coins, you think of it's a dollar in crypto. The price doesn't go up and down. It is stable. And when you want to redeem your dollar coin for actual cash, you can give it to whoever issues that stable coin and they'll give you a dollar and it will always equal a dollar. So why am I talking about this? Well, stable coins come under a lot of scrutiny as they should, because we want to make sure that they actually have the reserves and they're not doing pulling a FTX or Alameda research with an okie doke behind our back doing funny business with that stuff. <clears throat> well, in order to do that, we need regulators and legislators to act. Now, that might not be what you want because that just happened. Today, we'll be talking about the Binance USD coin, which is owned by Paxos. The SEC has attacked that. And we'll also talk about give you an update on what exactly is happening when it comes to stable coins because there's a lot of action in stable coin world across the globe specifically in the US and there's more conversation in the UK about it now welcome back to how about that crypto your home for crypto and web3 news and updates i am your host bitcoin stylist and today we're talking about stable coins and it's not necessarily in a good way don't forget, this is not financial advice. You can use the links below to do your own research. <clears throat> Nothing in this video should be thought of as financial, legal, <clears throat> or tax advice. You can see a financial planner, financial advisor, a lawyer, or an accountant if that's what you're looking for. Don't forget to subscribe, like, comment. really helps support the channel and to make sure that this message gets out there. Thank you so much, and I really appreciate it. All right, now let's dive in. I'm going to share my screen, and if you're listening on podcasts, you can use the links below to follow along, or you can just listen up. All right, so what we got here now is that uh, what we have up right now is the Wall Street Journal, and it's an article by Lionel NG, or sorry, Patricia Kausman and Caitlin Ostroff, and the title is Regulators Order Crypto Firm Paxos oops, to Stop Issuing Binance Stablecoin, Company to Continue to Manage Redemptions of Dollar-Pegged BUSD. And it says here that New York regulators directed a crypto company to stop issuing one of the largest dollar-pegged cryptocurrencies as a government clampdown on the sector widens. The New York Department of Financial Services ordered Paxos Trust Company, which issues and lists Binance dollar-pegged cryptocurrency, to stop creating more of its BUSD token, Binance said in a statement. Paxos will continue to manage redemptions of the product the crypto exchange added. So a couple of things. Paxos is a U.S. company. It's a trust. And uh, at some point in this, you'll see that they have a, an account with the it's like a federal federally regulated office of the control of the currency. They're in good standing with them. So there's no reason to think that they're doing shady stuff. So I think that this is interesting. 
But I do think that it comes down to the fact that it's Binance USD peg coin. And let's see here. Um, so it says Paxos said in a statement that it'll. Here we go right here. Said it will stop issuing new BUSD on February 21st and that it will end its relationship with Binance for the branded stablecoin BUSD. It added that BUSD will continue to be redeemable through at least February of 2024 for U.S. dollars or, or for Paxos's own stablecoin, the Pax dollar. B Binance USD has grown to become the third largest stablecoin by market cap with Paxos no longer issuing the token. The market cap is set to drop from its Monday's level of about $16 billion. So I think that this is interesting because it's only the branded stablecoin. They're not... They're a lot by by this article, you would assume and you can you can assume that the Paxos's own stablecoin Pax dollar is not being targeted. It is only the Binance stablecoin. And there's no way that they would have reached a settlement to allow Binance USD to be exchanged for Pax dollar. If the SEC was not okay with that. So in their in in their settlement in their agreement between Paxos and the SEC, then this would have came out. There's no way they'd be like, okay, we'll take we'll get rid of the Binance US dollar, but we'll just trade it for our stablecoin without the SEC being like, yeah, that's fine. So let's go keep going. I think this is all interesting. Crypto firms, this is also for the Wall Street Journal, and the title is Crypto Firms In-House Tokens Are Coming Under More Scrutiny. FTX used its own token, FTT, to fuel its growth before it filed for bankruptcy. And I just watched some little interview, little clip that had Michael Saylor, the CEO of MicroStrategies and the biggest Bitcoin bull on the planet. He was saying how... FTX, I mean, they just minted the $10 billion out of thin air. If you have 100 million coins and you put the, you say the price is $30 and people start buying it, then you created $10 billion out of thin air. So this is, uh, this is only from a couple of days ago. Uh, so I think this is in line with what we're seeing with the Binance USD. So here we go. In-house crypto tokens play a big role in the crypto economy, allowing companies to attract users and expand their business. But the November collapse of FTX has brought them growing scrutiny. FTX companies use the in-house token FTT as collateral to obtain billions of dollars of loans. The Wall Street Journal has previously reported, that left FTX with few sources of funding when the price of FTT went south. But that's not the only one. Crypto lender Celsius Network used its in-house token, Cell, to fuel its own growth, according to a report by Shoba Pile, the examiner appointed by the bankruptcy court to probe Celsius's business practices. Celsius and FTX both filed for bankruptcy. So I think that's really important. Okay, so we have that... Regulators are going after stable coins. They don't like stable coins. And then the and our, our legislator, our elected officials, they uh, can't seem to do their effing job and uh, legislate. So we're left to, you know, appointed individuals, not elected individuals to police this space. And while that may be the purpose of a regulatory agency, it only is acceptable, in my opinion, if there are laws dealing with this stuff because the reality is 
without legislation and clarity, then the regulators can do whatever the F they want. And then we have to fight it in court if we think it's wrong. And we're about to find out who's right and who's wrong. But we did find out if you go back and watch my episode about the library case that the judge agreed that the secondary market was not covered under his ruling that the initial coin offering was a sale of securities. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and watch that episode. It's a really important episode to figure out this thing because right now we're going to, we're going to, because there's no regulatory clarity and they're using enforcement or sorry, regulation by enforcement, then we have to wait for court cases to give us the rules of the road, which is ridiculous by the way, and not protecting investors. Okay, it's not protecting investors, so they're not doing their job. Okay, next next uh, article is by Nicolesh D, and it's on CoinDesk, and the title is SES, or sorry, SEC to sue crypto trust company Paxos over Binance stablecoin. Not Pax, they're not their stablecoin, but the Binance stablecoin. They Paso, Paxos also faces a probe from the New York Department of Financial Services. So let's go down here and see if they got any other information that we haven't gotten yet. And there is. Let's see. Okay. Um, Here we go. Sunday's news comes right after the SEC settled charges of crypto exchange Kraken, which was the last episode I did was the SEC uh, clamp down on Kraken. If you didn't watch that, go check that out because that's the beginning of something big in the U.S., not necessarily a good thing. When the regulator alleged its staking services were an offering of unregistered securities, Kraken didn't admit or deny. They just agreed to shut it all down and pay a fine. Binance acknowledged last month that it had not always maintained proper balance to back Binance Peg USD or PBUSD, a wrapped version of BUSD offered on non-Ethereum networks. So the Binance US dollar created by Paxos was built on, it looks like on Ethereum, and but Binance wants to have a stable coin that they can use on other networks and not just the Ethereum blockchain. So they wrapped it which means they just they took a Binance stablecoin, stuck it in escrow, and created another version of the state of the same coin on another chain. And the way that's supposed to work is you can redeem it through this like bridge or escrow account um, between different networks. But they're saying that Binance said that on occasion in the past there was a timing mismatch in backing Binance Peg BUSD with BUSD. The crypto exchange claimed in a blog post that while there were issues in the publicly viewable data on user redemptions were not affected. So they're saying, oh, yeah, we didn't necessarily have all the Binance U.S. dollars backing all the wrapped BUSD we were creating. That's like saying, oh, my gosh, that's like saying um, I want to send my I want to I want to buy money or sorry, I want to um buy Axie Infinity token and play the games. And I need some tokens. So I'm going to move my Ethereum. I need to use Ethereum to buy it, but it's on a side chain. They have their own, they have their own side chain called the uh, Ronin, Ronin blockchain. And in order to buy on the Ronin blockchain, I need to move my Ethereum off of Ethereum network onto the Ronin blockchain but in, and so what they do is they have a bridge, the one that was hacked for like $600 million by North Koreans Lazarus group. 
they have a bridge where they would lock up your money in the escrow. So you would move your Ethereum in onto the Ronin bridge and the bridge would hold the hold the Ethereum and then issue wrapped Ethereum. Then you can on their blockchain, you can then transact with this wrapped Ethereum. And then when you're ready to move move your Ethereum back onto the Ethereum network, you would go back to the bridge and exchange your Ethereum, wrapped Ethereum for Ethereum on a one-to-one basis. Well, that is all done through smart contracts. And it was hacked because there was poor security. They had poor security uh, with how they managed their keys. So it's not like someone hacked it and like broke broke the code. But, but still, like this is done through smart contracts. So how is Binance not having a properly pegged keeping it properly pegged that means they must be they're probably manipulating the supply i mean how can it happen the smart contract should ensure that there's always a one-to-one instead of a human so this sounds like funny games with with branded tokens you see so i don't necessarily disagree with this move do you i mean i am sick and tired of centralized players so the sec is going after centralized players F the centralized players, because at the end of the day, I'm not really worried about it. I mean, they can go under because we have DeFi. We have I only need I only want a Coinbase to like on ramp my US dollars into crypto and then use DeFi for staking and other stuff. You know, but the reality is you might need um, a centralized stable coin, but you want them to be heavily regulated so that, you know, you will always get one-to-one exchange for your coins for dollars. Okay, here's another one. Federal Reserve, FDIC, and the OCC warn banks about cryptocurrency risks. Regulators say holding cryptos is likely inconsistent with safe banking practices. So this is an article by Paul Kiernan on Wall Street Journal, and basically he's calling attention. This is from a few weeks. This is from last month, but I thought it was important to bring up because the Federal Reserve, the FDIC, and the OCC, Officer of the Control of the Currency, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, and the Central Bank are all saying, "Hey, everybody, beware!" And then the SEC comes down and comes after Kraken for its staking as a service program, and then they go after uh, branded tokens. So they're going after centralized players that are connected to the banking sector. They don't want cryptocurrency risk pouring over into the banking sector. All right, so I have a couple highlighted things here. It says, a handful of banks have gotten involved with crypto. California Bank Silvergate Silvergate Capital transformed itself from a small lender into a bank bank for cryptocurrency investors and exchanges and gets 90% of its deposits from such digital customers. Its stock has fallen nearly 80% in the past three months. I made questions about its exposure to the industry. In the statement Tuesday, the bank regulators said they have significant safety and soundness concerns with business models that are concentrated in crypto asset related activities or have concentrated exposure to crypto asset sector. So translation, they don't like any company that has the majority of their business is coming from crypto. If 5, 10, 20 percent, maybe, who knows what the percentage is, but maybe that's okay if you have that low of a percentage. But they don't say, they just say, I don't like you if you are a crypto company connected to the financial sector. They also warned of the susceptibility of so-called stable coins, cryptocurrencies backed by supposed safe dollar denominated assets to potentially runs by spooked investors. Such events could cause sudden deposit outflows for banks that hold cash reserves for stablecoin issuers. So basically, uh, a stablecoin is only as good as 
the amount of usage it has because the less usage it has, the more likely it's susceptible it, it could be run on. So if a lot of people are using it, then are they going to want to cash out? I mean, if they trust their stablecoin issuer, which they shouldn't have to trust it, but they you can trust them if they are heavily regulated. And um, but like right now, we don't have that. So we don't actually have a coin that is heavily regulated. So we don't I mean, Circle is the best, but they're still, you know, a little in limbo uh, with their their, you know, they're supposed to be getting a chart a chart a bank charter but this kind of information says that they won't once they get a bank charter they'll be regulated like a bank which means auditing and like really digging in and some most stringent uh requirements we have in the financial in sector so anyway what do you think about this i think that's interesting i got, I got like two more things to share with you uh okay so all on stable coins this is another article in the wall street journal and this is by peter rudiger and ben foldy and the title is Cantor Fitzgerald helps oversee Tether's $39 billion in treasury holdings. Wall Street firms helps manage portfolio that makes up line share of crypto stablecoins reserves. So Tether is the largest stablecoin out there. And uh, I'm going to read you a little bit of this. Billions of dollars in treasuries that back the world's most traded cryptocurrency are being run on Wall Street. Tether Holdings Limited, the secretive Hong Kong-based owner of stablecoin Tether, is using Cantor Fitzgerald to help oversee its $39 billion bond portfolio, according to people familiar with the matter. Details of how Tether managed those assets haven't been widely known. So this is like a positive thing, I think, uh, because this is saying that basically they're they're allowing a regulated firm to manage a bulk of their of their assets. And it says the company said it no longer held commercial paper. They reduced its loan exposure and the $39 billion in treasuries it held accounted for 59% of its portfolio. The rest of its assets were held in money market funds, cash reserves, repurchase agreements, corporate bonds, and precious metals. And the company that's going to be managing the treasuries, the 59% of its portfolio, is Cantor, which is a privately held global financial firm that is one of the largest intermediaries for Wall Street traders that has been interested in crypto for years. In 2017, the firm said... It would offer future contracts tied to the price of Bitcoin on small futures exchange that it runs. The affiliate of Cantor's BCG Partners was planning to launch a crypto exchange by the first quarter of this year. And then it said the firm's aggressiveness in the past has taken it into riskier business lines. In 2016, a sports gambling affiliate of the company had to pay $22 million in to settle an investigation into its involvement in illegal gambling and money laundering. So it said, well, continuing, the, by hiring Cantor, Tether is getting a firm that is deeply entrenched in the treasury market. Cantor is one of the 25 so-called primary dealers for the U.S. treasury market, a status that allows them to trade directly with the Federal Reserve Bank of New York and underwrite sale of U.S. government debt. So this is huge because... This is an entrenched player. Yeah, it sounds like they're not afraid to get in with uh, some sketchy spaces. But like, you know, I think this part says it's a big deal. It's getting in with a deeply entrenched uh, player and they have access to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. And um, it also says up here, 
but it ba- basically makes the point that the industry is willing to take bets even though there's lack of clarity. So even though all this stuff is going on with stable coins, with Paxos, Binance stable coin, with these warnings by these banks and um, what was the other one? This, uh, let's see. So you had the Binance stable coin, um, the SEC stuff that's going on. All of this stuff is happening. Oh, the Kraken uh, staking as a service. All this stuff is happening, and there's still big players that want to get involved with with crypto. So that's a positive thing. So here we go. Last one, digital pound. So speaking of stable coins, what about central bank issued stable coins? So this is a Braden Lindria von Coin Telegraph reports digital pound could coexist with private stable coins, according to the UK central bank. The central bank wants an EGBP to be retail focused and could form part of a mixed payments economy alongside cryptocurrency stablecoins. So stablecoin has to actually be stable. And in the UK and Europe, they're going to have clear rules for that. Uh, The US needs to step it up. And it just says that they're getting closer to launching a digital currency. It says, despite the rise of privately issued stablecoins in recent years, uh, they have uh, they did a consultation paper, um, the Bank of England did, and the UK Treasury. And it said that CBDCs, such as the digital pound, can coexist in what they expected to be a mixed payments economy. So they're not trying to get rid of stablecoins. In mu- much the same way that cash coexists alongside private money, the digital pound does not need to be a dominant form of money in order to meet its public policy objectives. What are these public policy objectives? And it says, keep going down here. It says, the paper explained the primary motivator behind launching the digital pound is to ensure UK central bank money remains an anchor for confidence and safety in the country's monetary system and to promote innovation, choice, and efficiency in domestic payments. Basically, they just they want to be part of crypto and they want their citizens to have a place where they can go to feel safe. And so that means holding on to this central bank cur- currency in in times of, of fear. So you might sell your stablecoin for that. However, the problem with, with this concept is when you scroll down in deeper into this, it says... The paper states the private sector would help build the infrastructure. It also considers imposing individual limits between 10 and 20,000 British pounds. That's only between 12 and $24,000. And it says a limit on holdings would be intended to manage those risks by constraining the degree to which deposits could flow out of the banking system. That is important during the introductory period as we learn about the impact of the digital pound on the economy. So, I mean, that's insane to me, Uh, but it also says that they're worried. Let's see. Uh, So there's privacy concerns. They said that they're going to like have to know who you are. They won't be anonymous, but you'll have the ability to manage your privacy settings. And it goes on a little bit more to talk about. um, It further explains that users will have at least some level of privacy because transactions will be recorded anonymously on a core ledger. So they might have like two ledgers. One is the core ledger, and then it automatically updates a public ledger that has information that doesn't reveal identifying information. I mean, I feel like that could work. 
and you don't have to worry about manipulation because central banks already manipulate the money supply. So as long as they stay solvent, uh, who cares? Because that's what central banks do. They manipulate the money supply. They debase it. They constrict it. A paper outlined, however, that the EGBP, which is, by the way, called Britcoin, may impact the business models of commercialized banks through what is known as bank disintermediation, where fewer deposits are made into commercial banks. The digital pound would not fundamentally alter the traditional channels of money creation, but it might affect monetary stability. Bank disintermediation might affect the transmission of monetary policy to the real economy. The central bank also believes the digital pound could bring about more financial inclusivity among the UK population. Right now, our current banking system sucks for uh, for helping with inclusivity. Right now, in order to be part of the crypto world, all you need is a smartphone and an internet connection uh, or a computer and internet connection. But if you have that, and by the way, um, you know, people that are homeless in DC have access to smartphones as they're given them. Now, I don't know if they're smart, but they definitely have a cell phone. So like people, more people have access to this technology than they do the, the banking system. It's not perfect because not everybody has a smartphone or internet access, but it's better than our current financial system in that, in terms of like how easily is access it. And so I think it makes sense that a country would want to be part of that. And by a 10 to 20,000 um, limit of these Bitcoin, then that means that their citizens who are in the lower bank, lower financial uh, rungs, who are might not be banked because of financial regulations um, and other rules and other policies, <clears throat> then they can get into crypto and be part of it. And they won't probably won't hit the ceiling of how much coins you can make. So I think this is really interesting. What do you think? I think that ultimately this sounds bad, but it might be good. I hope it's good. I hope it's just clearing up the BS from centralized players in our industry. I hope it's not how they begin the attack to ban it. So what do you think? Do you think that uh, everything I reported on today in the last time, la the last episode and, uh, and a couple episodes prior about the, uh, the intensity of crackdowns by the government, do you think that this is just the government finally doing their job that they, we wish they should, they did a year ago? Um, or do you think that, uh, this is the beginning of a coordinated attack, let me know. Leave a comment below. Have a good day and hodl on.